Happy Monday, happy holidays, and Merry Christmas to all who celebrate. My name is Brandon Rosa, and welcome to episode 239 of the Xbox and 10 podcast. Your weekly source of Xbox gaming news covered in around 10 minutes. Every Monday, this podcast covers new game releases, the previous week's gaming news, and we all are in an Xbox-related fun fact together. This show is on YouTube and podcast services around the world, so please subscribe in your favorite and leave a review. Xboxin10.com, no numbers, is your quick source for links to all of our podcast destinations and social media profiles, which you can follow at Xboxin10. To start, let's talk game releases. And through the holidays, there were no big games out last week, and the only game coming out this week is Metal Mind. Now with last week's biggest news stories, and we have four to cover this week. Number one, Bobby Kotick leaving Activision Blizzard on December 29th. Rebecca Valentine at IGN writes, Bobby Kotick, the long-serving CEO of Activision Blizzard for the last 32 years, is officially stepping down on December 29th as part of an ongoing reorganization following the acquisition of the company by Microsoft. In a note sent to employees and published on the Activision Blizzard newsroom, Kotick reflected on his long tenure running the publisher. Kotick has overseen Activision through over half of its lifespan, having become CEO just 12 years after its founding in 1979. He oversaw the company through numerous transformations, including the start and ultimate success of the Call of Duty franchise, the Guitar Hero era, the rise and fall of the Toys to Life genre, Activision's merger with Vivendi to become Activision Blizzard and later acquisition of Candy Crush Maker King, and ultimately the acquisition of all of it by Microsoft earlier this year. Kodak also oversaw the company through a period of the time called out by the state of California in a 2021 lawsuit as encompassing widespread gender discrimination and gender-based inequality. Among the numerous accusations levied against the company regarding its treatment of women include claims that Kodak knew about the accusations for years, but did not actively address them. Just this week, the California Civil Rights Department reached a $54 million settlement with Activision Blizzard over these claims, finding that, quote, no court or any independent investigation has substantiated any allegations that there has been systemic or widespread sexual harassment at Activision Blizzard, end quote, or that Activision Blizzard's board of directors, including Kodak, quote, acted improperly with regard to the handling of any instances of workplace misconduct, end quote. In addition, The Verge reports that Xbox head Phil Spencer announced Kodak's departure to employees alongside a number of other organizational changes. While Kodak is not being directly replaced, Activision Blizzard Vice Chairman Thomas Tipple, who is departing the company in March, Activision Publishing President Rob Kostish, Blizzard President Mike Ibarra, and King President Tijolf Summersted will all now report directly to Xbox Game Content and Studios President Matt Booty. Additionally, controversial Activision Blizzard CCO Lulu Messervy will be leaving the company at the end of January. Messervy made waves almost immediately after her 2022 appointment by pushing back against ongoing collective bargaining attempts by Activision Blizzard employees and was ultimately named in a labor complaint by the Communication Workers of America for her rhetoric. She has since been outspoken publicly about other matters, including Sony's opposition to Xbox acquiring Activision Blizzard. Other changes including the departure of Blizzard and King VP, Humane Sakani, and the promotion of Jill Braff to head of ZeniMax and Bethesda Studios. In Spencer's letters to employees about all these changes, he wrote, For most of you, your day-to-day work will remain the same. It's still business as usual and bringing more groundbreaking experiences to more players around the world. At the leadership level, these changes will provide the clarity and accountability that is necessary to achieve our ambitious goals and foster a culture that is welcoming, empowering, and committed to gaming for everyone. We have an exciting 2024 lineup of games across Activision, Bethesda, Blizzard, King, and Xbox Game Studios, and I know that we all look forward to sharing more details with our player communities when the time is right. This is the second significant reorganization announcement from Microsoft following the acquisition's closure. In October, Microsoft promoted Matt Booty to be president of gaming content studios, including overseeing ZeniMax and Bethesda, and promoted Sarah Bond to president of Xbox. Things are changing, and this is going to be a very, very new-looking Xbox in 2024. 
Removing all the allegations and just putting that to the side for a moment, you can't deny the impact that Bobby Kodak had on Activision. I mean, we go from Guitar Hero to then acquiring King, and obviously the behemoth that is Call of Duty, the best-selling game every single year for over a decade now. His impact in that capacity cannot be understated. Can Activision really continue this without him? I guess we're really going to see all the impact he had in the years to come. I am a little concerned because Xbox's leadership has not been the best when it comes to some of these things. So we'll see what it looks like in the future, but ultimately I am excited. I trust the current Xbox leadership in Phil Spencer and Sarah Bond. Matt Booty, we'll see, we'll see, but I'm optimistic. Number two, Bethesda teases 2024 plans for Starfield. Heidi Nicholas at True Achievements writes, Despite its shortcomings, Starfield has been one of the biggest launches of 2023, and it seems Bethesda's got a lot planned for next year too. While sharing some player stats and confirming the game as their biggest ever launch, the team shared a glimpse of what's coming next. We knew already that Starfield will add city maps and, quote, new ways of traveling, unquote, and Bethesda expands on this a little. From February, Starfield will get updates spaced out about every six weeks, adding game improvements as well as content and feature updates. After listening to player feedback, Bethesda will be adding new ways to travel and city maps for the big cities, as well as expanding on ship customization with ship decorations, new ship building options, and more. Starfield will also get new gameplay options. Quote, with these new settings, you'll be able to alter your gameplay to allow for an easier or more challenging experience that will expand beyond our normal difficulty setting, end quote, Bethesda says. Quote, these will allow you to easily customize carry capacity, cargo access distance, ship damage, vendor credits, how much you suffer afflictions, new survival mechanics, and more. There's also word on mod support. Quote, beginning early next year, Starfield will be getting its own exporter and you'll have access to a new creation kit, end quote. According to Bethesda player stats, the game has picked up 13 million players in September with an average playtime of 40 hours per player. While soaring around Starfield, players have spent over 26 million hours building ships and have visited over 1.97 billion planets. The faction responsible for the most player deaths are the Ecliptics, while the Ashta have been the most lethal lifeform. Lastly, Bethesda says the Shattered Space, the first big expansion of the game, will bring new story content, new locations, gear, and more to Starfield next year. This is exciting and it's good to hear all the positive news and player stats around Starfield. I really enjoyed my time with the main quest of the game. However, it's just such a busy year that I ultimately did not continue and finish all the side quests. I really mean to, and maybe one day I will. There's just so many games to play. But congrats Bethesda, and looking forward to your 2024 with Starfield. Number 3. Elder Scrolls spin-off games from Obsidian were rejected by Bethesda. Tom West at True Achievements writes, Chris Avalon, Obsidian Entertainment's co-founder and former chief creative officer, has said that multiple project pitches for an Elder Scrolls spin-off game similar to what the studio did with Fall at New Vegas was turned down by Bethesda on several occasions. Bethesda Game Studios has a reputation for creating vast worlds filled with almost endless possibilities within its game, which leads to long multi-year development periods, before Starfield launched earlier this year, quickly becoming one of the best Xbox games. The last mainline game launch wasn't another rehashed version of Skyrim or a Fallout side piece, it was Fallout 4 in 2015. Before that, we had The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim in 2011. Those are some long wait times for Bethesda fans, even if they are usually well worth the wait. In 2010, Obsidian Entertainment released The Incredible Fallout New Vegas, a spin-off Fallout game developed to play similarly to the main Fallout games, unlike the more recent spin-offs like Shelter and 76. The aim was to bridge the gap between the release of Fallout 3 in 2008 and Fallout 4 in 2015, and according to Chris Avalon, who left Obsidian in 2015, the studio pitched a similar idea for the Elder Scrolls multiple times. Replying to a thread on X, Avalon says that, quote, One of the Elder Scrolls proposals, which I pitched, was intended to serve the same function as Fallout New Vegas did between Fallout 3 and Fallout 4, to provide more adventures in this setting during the years before the next Bethesda release. I thought it couldn't hurt to try to push a similar system to what Treyarch Activision had going with Call of Duty at the time, but hopefully less rushed. 
Bethesda could do a core release, then we'd release a TES title in the same world or Divergent timeline era before the next big Bethesda push, end quote. I thought this was really cool that he came out and said it, even though Bethesda's probably pretty mad at him for saying so. But what could have been, right? I mean, Fallout New Vegas is a cult classic game. I remember really enjoying it back in the time, although ultimately I love Fallout 3 because of that DC setting. But given how big Skyrim is, is one of the biggest games of all time, I'm sure fans would have been clamoring for another game before that. Too bad, Bethesda. Too bad. And number four, South Park Snow Day announced release date with new trailer. Ryan McCaffrey at IGN writes, South Park's new kid, aka U, is back in South Park Snow Day, the new PvE game from South Park Digital Studios and THQ Nordic that allows you to play with bots or up to three friends in co-op to take on your rivals after a blizzard has canceled school. The latest trailer, which confirms Snow Day's release date March 26, 2024 for PS5, Series X and S, Nintendo Switch, and PC. The price for the standard version is $29.99 and a deluxe edition for $49.99. Snow Day's wintery combat includes melee and ranged weapons, thematically appropriate of course, as well as special abilities and powers. There are lots of cosmetics to unlock for your character as well. I wanted to highlight this game again as the trailer looks like it has the potential to be fun. Ultimately, give me another South Park RPG, a la The Stick of Truth and The Fractured But Whole. Those games are incredible. If you haven't played them yet, please do go check them out. As always, we end our show with a fun fact about Xbox. And since we've been talking about Bethesda this week, how many players do you think Fallout 76 has? Well, credit to Wesley Impool at IGN. Bethesda has discussed what's coming to Fallout 76 in 2024 and confirmed the multiplier-focused post-apocalyptic role-playing game has now more than 17 million players. Fallout 76 suffered a disastrous launch back in 2018. It was labeled broken and unplayable by many, but it was also criticized for offering a lifeless, Appalachia set open world to explore, devoid of many features fans loved from Bethesda's single-player Fallout games. Wanted to include this because, yeah, this is a crazy story. And personally, I've told it on the show many times, but when that Fallout 76 beta came out, and I already had the game pre-ordered because I love Fallout games, I couldn't believe it. I played it for about 15 minutes, uninstalled it, and canceled my pre-order. I really don't have another example like that, but I just couldn't believe what I was playing. Like they said, it was lifeless. I was just walking around emptiness. It didn't look good. It didn't run well. But, but they did put their feet in the ground and really worked to make it better, especially with that 2020 Wastelanders update, which finally brought voiced NPCs back. Now, all this time later, going on six years, Fallout 76 has 17 million players. Credit to Bethesda on that. Good for them. Thank you all for listening to the Xbox and 10 podcast, your weekly source of Xbox gaming news covered in around 10 minutes. If you like the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast service, share with your friends, leave a review, and follow on all social media at Xbox and 10. This past week, I've continued to play Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, grinding guns so I can play Warzone with my friends, which ultimately is a wildly frustrating experience, but I'm still coming back for more, so what does that say? And then me and a buddy checked out the finals, and I gotta give this game a shout out. It definitely sets itself apart, and it seems to be a potential mainstay in the online multiplayer experience. This game was really cool, really fun, ran well, and has me wanting to go back more to grind more guns to try new abilities and equipment and all sorts of things, so go try the finals if you haven't yet. My name is Brandon Rose, you can follow me on Xbox at Rose 93 Hope you all have a great week, stay safe, and keep on gaming.